Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Bibles with me and turn to Romans chapter 14, if you will, please. Romans chapter 14. Last week, I want to thank Pastor Chris um, for leading us last week as we started this new series. Yeah, absolutely. Did a great job of leading us. If you weren't here, you won't get this. But if you thought you were getting tie-dye out of me, you are sadly mistaken. And, uh, but he was cool. And we started this new series. The reason we called it Be Cool is this passage we're going to look at talks about how, in, uh, to kind of use the vernacular, we can be cool with God and with others and with ourselves. Here's what Paul says. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. We'll come back to that in a moment, kind of talk about what we mean when we say that. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval what we've wanted to do in kind of this three-week series is just kind of hone in on these three words. And Pastor Chris started us out here by understanding this idea of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you want to be cool with God, if you want to be cool with others and cool with yourself, then these concepts are huge. Why? Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Last week, we looked at this idea of righteousness. Next week, we'll look at this idea of joy. Today, we're going to look at the idea of, anybody guess? <laughs> Peace. We're going to talk about peace today and what scripture says about peace. Here's what I would encourage you with. Peace is lacking in so many places in our world today, is it not? I mean, we've made outrage a commodity. We've monetized it. And if we can have outrage in some way, it seems to just fuel things. And many times appropriate anger or desire for change. But here's the deal. In a world of outrage, be a person of peace. Because that's what Paul calls us to in this passage of Scripture. Peace is an interesting thing. Like, we know what it is, but if I asked you to define it, you, you might have a hard time. Like, I kind of had a hard time coming up with the words to describe. What do I mean when I say peace? Now, well, Scripture uses the word shalom quite a bit. The idea of peace, that everything is well. When we say, it is well with my soul, it's this idea of peace. But if I said to you, hey, describe what peace is to me. You'd probably be prone to say, well, I know it when I have it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And do you know it when you don't? Like, I know it when I have it, and I know it when I don't. I know that feeling when I'm at peace. I also know what it's like to not feel very peaceful. I also know what it's like to step into a situation maybe where you have peace, but then you walk up to a conversation and realize it's not a peaceful conversation. Ever done that? I did that recently where I just walked up to somebody and all of a sudden I stepped into the conversation and realized I wish I'd never done that because <laughs> this is not peaceful. I grew up in a pretty peaceful home um, and, and not a whole lot of chaos. And I can remember going over to a friend's house one time and, and, and walking in and being there and watching the way that his mom and dad talked to each other. And it was not the way that my mom and dad talked to each other and watching what was happening in the house, and just being a little kid, and kind of going, something feels different here. Like, I don't, I don't feel right about this. And realizing what I had stepped to, into was a situation where there wasn't much, anybody? Peace. <laughs> Peace. It, just, it just wasn't there. And you know it when you have it, and you know it when you don't. The question is, do we understand where it comes from? How, how do we get it? How do we maintain it? How do we find it? So I want to talk to you about peace today. We're going to look at what Paul says 
in Romans 14, it's going to cause us to springboard into a couple of passages in the book of Isaiah and look at this idea of what the scripture says about peace. To, to do that, we're, we're going to use like an acrostic today. We're going to take the word peace, P-E-A-C-E, use each one of those letters to help us kind of look at a different concept, give us some hooks to hang it on. And here's the first one when we look at it. The letter P, we're going to talk about perspective. One of the keys to having peace in our lives with God and with others, and largely with ourselves, starts with the perspective that you have. Did you have a perspective of peace? Paul says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, which seems weird to say. He says, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Why does he have to stress peace to them? And why does he say it's not a matter of eating and drinking? Because the eating and drinking had robbed the church in Rome of their peace. Now, without going to all the details, they had these controversies over what they were allowed to eat and what they were not allowed to eat. And it had to do with, if you read chapter 14, <clears throat> meat sacrifice to idols. And it had to do with all these practices. And it had to do with Jew and Gentile. And it had to do with those who had been Christians for a while and those who didn't. And what had happened was they let this controversy come in and create disunity within the church. It, it had really separated them into two camps. And Paul has to give some teaching about how they view these things because these rituals had separated them. But to summarize it, he says, look, I know that these things are important to you, but they're not what's most important here. He says, what's, what's most important is not the eating and drinking. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. So that's why he wants to give them this perspective. Look at this, Romans chapter 14, verse 13. The perspective is, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. He says, I, I, want, I want you to shift your perspective because the way you're seeing things, you're looking at some things that are right here and they're not that important. You need to get the bigger picture. The ritual you're focusing on, does it matter? Yeah, it matters. I'll give you some teaching on it, Paul says. But what really matters is that you get the bigger picture on this thing that you see the full perspective. Here's what Paul says to them. At some point, you have to decide what things are just not that important. Some things, the eating and drinking, I get it, Paul says, but what God's kingdom is really about is the peace the Holy Spirit wants to bring to you. There's some things that are just not that important. And you know those things that just aren't that important? They're usually the things that rob me of peace. Anybody else? Those things that sometimes I've got to get a bigger perspective and see things from a bigger point of view. Oftentimes, I'll let little things that are important, don't, don't get me wrong, they may be things where it's right for you to take a stand or it's right for you to have an idea or it's right for you to see this thing, but I've got to watch and go, if that thing robs me of peace with other people in my life, especially important, special people in my life, then maybe I've got to step back. And oftentimes, the reason I don't have peace with others starts because I don't have peace internally with myself. And so I've got to look at that too. And a lot of it comes from having the right perspective. I heard recently about this idea called the overview effect. Never heard of this before. It's, they interviewed a bunch of astronauts, especially the ones who were in some of those early Apollo missions. And they interviewed them, both, both American and Russian at that time. And they said, how were you affected by your trip into space? 
And they said, actually, it changed us. When we got out into space and we saw the whole thing, we saw literally the whole ball of wax, we had this realization of just how fragile Earth is. We saw the whole big picture. And they said it changed us. Because from space, the, the national boundaries vanished. And the conflicts that divided people became so much less important. It affected them when they got the overview. When they saw the bigger picture, it changed how they saw the things that were right there in front of their face. And that overview effect is not just something that happens to astronauts. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 40 where Isaiah's writing and God has to give a perspective shift to some people. And you can read all about what God says in Isaiah chapter 40, but look at this. He asks them some questions. He says this, do you not know? <laughs> Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? Un understood what? God, what are you trying to show us? Look, look at the next verse. He says that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Doesn't that sound like the overview effect? <laughs> That God is out there and he sees it all. He has the big picture. That he sits enthroned above the circle, excuse me there, enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. And he stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. And sometimes when I'm so stressed on the things that are right here in front of my face, it's good for me to step back and get the overview of it, change my perspective and see that God has that bigger picture. He sees it all. And when I get his perspective, it changes everything. I remember years ago, this is when we were back at the church on Glendale. I was preaching this passage of scripture. And I said, I really want to make this memorable. Like, I really, I really want to make this, like, creative for people. The reality is I was desperate to wake people up. So I said, what could I do? I thought, you know what? This verse is all about how God is above it all. What if I preached up above everybody? And so I got this ladder. And it wasn't this ladder. We, we may still have it. I don't know. But we used to have at the church this rickety old wooden ladder. that was It was at least 15. I think it was 18 feet tall, if I remember right. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Because I'm a genius. I'm going to preach from the top of that ladder. And so I worked hard, wrote the message, memorized a big chunk of it. I did my little introduction, and people are sitting there, what's he going to do with that ladder? What's he going to do with the ladder? And then, as I preached, I started to climb it, you know? And then I got up to the very top of the ladder, and then I just sat there, and I started preaching, because I'm a creative genius. <laughs> and I'm a masterful communicator. And I'm a dummy. 18 feet up in the air, just kind of sitting there. Guy in the church who does OSHA safety stuff for, for a living is sitting out there the whole time just going like this. Just going like this. Friend of mine, she's sitting out there, and I watched that as soon as I got preaching, she went like this. I went, I was trying to wake her up. After church, she came up to me. She goes, I could not even look at you. I was praying for you the same time. Are you stupid? Whole time I'm up there, just preaching away. And then all of a sudden... I got vertigo. Like, I've not had this happen to me before. But as I'm up there, all this is going on. The room likes, it might have been the orange carpet. I don't know. The room like started to spin. 
right and up was down and people and all of a sudden I'm just up there going, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, just dizzy and just trying to work through my notes, you know, and trying to do all this. And eventually when things kind of stops, I just kind of went back down real slow, you know. We used to have just two services back then. Guess who didn't climb the ladder second service? I went up about three steps and then told him about how great God was at the top. Changed my perspective. When I try to be up at the top and understand it all, it's dizzying. But if I'll remember that he's up there, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He has a perspective that's different. And if I'll be willing to say, God, would you help me to see this your way? Because there may be some things in my mind that are super important that really aren't that important to you. And God, there may be some little things that I'm holding on to, but I need your perspective on this to realize what's truly important, what's robbing me of righteousness and peace and joy that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. If I'll be willing to say, Holy Spirit, will you change my perspective on this? He sees beginning to end. He, he stretches the, the, the heavens like a canopy, puts them out like a tent to live in. It's amazing what he does and who he is. Don't I want his perspective more than mine? The first place you'll find peace, where it begins, is by saying, God, give me your perspective in this moment, in this season, and then watch what it brings and what it does to us. The second thing I want to show you is not just perspective, but the letter E. Let's talk about how peace affects us. What's the effect of peace in our lives? While we're in Isaiah, I want you to see this. I'd actually never seen this verse before. Look what we read. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17. It says that the fruit of that righteousness, which we already read about in Romans 14, right? Righteousness and peace. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. And its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Isn't that a cool description of peace? Quietness and confidence. It does describe it. Like, like, like in, in, in the Old Testament, when you see the same word for quietness, it has this idea of something that calms. This idea of rest. The concept of peace. I don't mean weakness. I don't mean that you're afraid to talk. But you know what it's like when your soul has that internal quietness. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he says that the, the effect of God's peace in our lives will be that quietness. Sometimes I'm wise to just kind of step back and evaluate. Do I have that? Like, am I experiencing that quietness in my life? Because if I'm not, then maybe I'm peace deficient. Maybe I need to ask for a change in perspective. My life tends to get loud in the absence of peace. So many different voices, so many different thoughts, questions, concerns, anxiety. Sometimes I just need to stop and again, I don't, I, don't mean, I don't mean weakness by quietness. I don't mean shut your mouth by quietness. What do I mean? Rest, calm. Even though there may be a storm around you, there's a quietness that comes to your spirit because he came to bring us peace. Go back to the passage. He says there that its effect will be quietness and confidence. When you see that word confidence in the Old Testament, the, the word is also sometimes translated as security or safety, something you know you can hold on to. And not only does my life get loud in the absence of peace, my life tends to become insecure in the absence of peace. 
Like I ask all these questions and, and, I, and I get uncertain and it can be easy to be overwhelmed. And sometimes I need to allow God by his spirit to bring peace to my life so that I can sense a confidence in those moments that can only come from him. A confidence that only he can bring. And when I'm in the midst of that insecurity and when my life is loud, that might be a good time for me to evaluate and say, is there peace in my life? Dads, grandfathers, I really do believe that one of the things that God has called us to as men in our homes is to be agents of peace. We play a role that's so vital in setting a tone in our homes. And if you look at your own life and you see that it's absent of that quietness, it's absent of that confidence, then maybe it's time to say, Holy Spirit, will you, what's he saying in Romans, or, excuse me, Galatians chapter five? He says that peace is one of the fruit of the spirit. So if you don't see that fruit growing in your life, if you don't see that fruit growing in your home, it might be time for you to realize that dad, part of your job description is you're a gardener. You're a landscaper. And you gotta do what's necessary to grow that fruit. Does that make sense? Like if there's some places where you need to fertilize and enrich that soil, you need to adjust the watering schedule, you need to pull some weeds, you need to get some sunlight in your life, then you do what's necessary so that for you and for your home, there's the opportunity for that peace to grow. How will you know? Quietness and confidence are the effect of peace in our lives. So where do we find that? Like, where does it start? Well, let's go to the next thing. The P is perspective, the E is effect, and when we get to the letter A in peace, it, let's talk about the word access. Access to what? What do we mean when we say access? Well, we get this in Romans chapter five. Let's go back a few chapters. Romans chapter five, Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained, and here's that word, access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So the way that we find peace with God comes because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, and because of what he's done, we now have access, we have that, that free relationship, we have the ability to come to God. There is peace that can go from God to us, it's peace that goes from heaven to earth, and earth back up to heaven. There's this peace that is available because of what Jesus did for us, we now have access to God. The New Living Translation says we've been made right in God's sight through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that has given us access to God, and from that we have peace with God, here's one thing that's really important for you to understand. If you wanna experience this peace, it starts here. Peace is vertical, right? It starts here, this vertical peace from you to God, and that you have that relationship and that peace with him, and without it, you'll never know truly peace. Like, th this is why we talk about how important it is that we understand what Jesus did for us. When he died on the cross, he, he paid the price for our sins. And we can know forgiveness. He, he's our savior. And if we'll ask him for that forgiveness, and maybe this is something that, that you've never experienced. You hear us talking about it. You're like, man, I need that peace. Or maybe you once had it in your life and you don't know it right now. You're like, boy, I need that peace. Look, there are seasons in our lives where we just come and realize that there is this 
I don't know, this gap, this, this lid, this barrier that seems to block me from, from that relationship with God, that peace with God. And the key to finding that access, the key to finding that peace, which is something we're all looking for, is found in Jesus. You ever seen those movies, or maybe you've gotten to do this, where you get to stay in the fancy penthouse at the top of a hotel? And if you get in the elevator to go to the penthouse, common losers can't get up there. You gotta have the key to get up there. Do you wanna know how nice it is to stay in a place like that? So do I, never done it, never done it. But we did stay in this place once where if you were gonna go to the floor where your room was, you had to have, you know the key card they give you to get into the room? Like it knew what floor you were on. So when you got in the elevator, you had to scan the little card and then you could press the button. So if you were on the seventh floor, you could press seven all day long and it wouldn't light up until you scanned your card. And then it knew that you had, well, thank you very much, yeah. All right, I'm done, let's pray. You, I mean, you're, you got this figured out. You have access. So if you got in and you tried to press eight, you, you weren't on the eighth floor. You couldn't press it. So it kept you from going to places you shouldn't. It also kept you from being the person that runs your hands down all the elevator buttons so it stops on every floor. Those of you who are smiling who have done it, you've done it, yeah. Yeah, the Lord knows. Couldn't do that. Because with that key card, I could only press the button for seven. But if I was in the lobby and Rhonda had the key and I needed to get up to the room, I couldn't get there because I didn't have the key. So I was stuck because I didn't have access. How do we get access? It's through Jesus. And he's the key. Dad's one of the, no, rewind. Dad's the greatest gift that you can give to your kids is to show them and model for them and introduce them to the fact that through Jesus, you can have access to God and know true peace. Your number one job as a dad and as a grandfather is to pass that faith along and show your future generations the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Look, for some of us, we wrestle with this because to, to, to do that means that at some point I have to give over control of my life. At some point I have to say, Jesus, not only do I need your forgiveness, but I know that on my own I'm gonna mess this up. So I'm gonna entrust control of my life. I'm gonna live my life for you instead of myself. And naturally, I don't like that because you know what I like? I like control. But you know what I've found? The more I try to be in control, the less I have peace. Peace is found when I say, Jesus, I give you control of my life. And that's when I can find that vertical peace with God. But Paul says if you find that vertical peace with God, then it gets a little trickier from there. Let's go back to our word. P is for perspective. E is for the effective peace. A, we talk about access. And then letter C talks about the fact that peace is a choice. That it, there's certain points, there's certain relationships, there's certain moments in my life when I need to choose peace. So when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 14, he's saying to them, look, I, I'm calling you to choose peace. Look at how he says it. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 19. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God. 
for the sake of food. That's one of those verses that's easy to read over when sometimes it might be good for us to just sit there for a little while. Run our own lives through that filter. He doesn't say, hey, do your best, and if it falls apart, don't worry about it. Try it once, and then forget about it. He says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. And do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. He says, it's not worth losing eternal things for what's not gonna last all that long. Some things are just not that important. And sometimes, in some relationships, it's important that you choose what leads to peace, not compromise, not sin. But are you willing to choose peace? See, peace is not just vertical. Peace is horizontal as well. And if there's peace that's coming to our lives from God, then it's gonna go out in a horizontal way to impact others in the world around us as well. And to do that, we have to choose it. So many times it doesn't happen automatically and it doesn't happen just once. Paul says make every effort, which kind of leads you to believe that it happens over and over again, doesn't it? So if you're, a, if you're a gardener, as we've already talked about, this is the season that maybe we should talk about this, whether you have a garden where you're growing vegetables or maybe you have a flower bed or whatever it might be, there are things you want to grow and sometimes are difficult and then there's things you don't want to grow that keep sprouting up, don't they? Anybody else have to deal with weeds? I don't want those there and yet they keep showing up. I think some of you sneak in and do that when I'm not home. Right, because they just, they just show up out of nowhere. They're trying to get up next to your tomatoes or they're, trying, they're right in there with your flowers. It's, it's whatever it is. And it's those things that if you really want to see things grow, you're gonna have to go and you're gonna have to deal with the weeds, aren't you? You might spray them. They're growing up in your driveway. You might pull them if they're there in your garden. Anybody ever torched them? Sometimes torching them is just fun. <laughs> just a bad idea, yeah. But the idea is you just can't leave them there and you're gonna pull them and guess who's gonna be back next week? So you don't just leave them and you just don't, if you really want it to grow, you're gonna make every effort. You're gonna do everything you can to pull those weeds. I have a tendency sometimes, I am not the landscaping mastermind at our house, that's Rhonda. I'm just a good helper. Let me rewind that, I'm just a helper. And so she'll say, hey, can you, can you water these things for me? Or can you do this for me? And I, there's been times when I've gone to water something. And I was like, should I water that? She goes, no, that's a weed. I don't know. She's like, don't water it, pull it. How many times do I water the things that should be pulled in my life? And how many times do I pull the things that should be watered? Because there's these moments where I become so confused or dizzy because my perspective is wrong or I don't have that quietness and confidence or things aren't right in the vertical piece in my life, that instead of nurturing the things and making every effort to lead to peace, I'm watering what should be pulled and pulling what should be watered. Paul says, look, get a good perspective on this. and Make sure that you are allowing peace to come into your life. Dad's one of our primary roles as the gardener of our homes and families, no matter the age of our children, no matter the stage or season that we're in, whether you've been a dad for decades and have grandkids and great-grandkids, or maybe you're anxiously awaiting to be a father for the first time, 
You make a decision that with your life, you are gonna create a home, an environment, a world, a culture around you that is a place of peace. And do you know where it starts? I will painfully admit that it starts right here because I watched it in my own life this week that when there was some stress in here, it robbed peace from everybody out here. And I became a, a peace vacuum and I sucked it right out of the house. And then I heard Paul in the back of my mind going, make every effort to live in peace. <laughs> and he was right. And so I had to do some gardening in my own heart. Does that make sense? Because peace is a choice. And before you get ahead of yourself, don't ever forget this. You'll never truly know that horizontal peace without vertical peace. Which takes us then to the last thing I wanna show you. The letter P, have a right perspective. The letter E, watch for the effects of peace in your life. Make sure you have access to God. Peace is a choice. And then letter E, peace comes. If you're looking for it, where does it happen? How do I truly find it? It's the empowerment with the Holy Spirit in your life. It's when the Holy Spirit brings that peace. You can't conjure it up. You can't create it. You can't get it from Amazon. You only find it when the Holy Spirit brings it to your life. What'd Paul say? Romans chapter 14. He says, look, don't get hung up on the eating and drinking because that's not what the kingdom of God is about. But righteousness, peace and joy. And he didn't put a period there. He didn't put the comma there. He didn't stop there. It's not just righteousness, peace and joy that you somehow conjure up. It's in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who brings those things into our lives. What's that look like? How do, how do we find that? Well, he's already given us a hint. Romans chapter eight, he, he says this a few chapters before. He says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So I, I wrestled with that. What does that mean governed by? And maybe a good analogy is, is like when you, when you got the reins or the bridle of a horse, and that's, that's how you kind of, with, with those reins and with the commands, you, you either say woe or giddy up, Right? So if it's your own mind that's governing the woes and giddy ups in your life, ultimately it's gonna lead to death. But if you will be willing to say, Holy Spirit, will you, will you govern my, my mind, my heart, my life? If you'll bring your woes and giddy ups to him, says that he'll fill your life with life and peace. That's a good word, isn't it? If you've not heard a word since I almost fell off that ladder, Here's what I want you to hear right now. The Holy Spirit can bring peace to our lives. Because some of you, if we come right down to it, the last thing you brought in here with you today was peace. For some of you, the whole reason you're here today is because you're searching for peace. So some of you, the whole reason you're here today, it's Father's Day and you had to be, so thanks for being here. <laughs> and some of you are watching this online and the more I talk about peace, the more you go, I don't have it. I don't even know what it feels like anymore. And what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit can bring peace to our lives. I've known it, I've seen it, I've shared this before, but I remember being a kid in junior high, probably the first time I can tangibly put my hands on this. I was home alone for some reason, and I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden I just sensed this tangible fear, like I'd not known before. And it just kind of filled that room, whatever it was, and I remember saying, Jesus, I need you. And do you know what I felt? Like literally, like, like, like a blanket cover that room. The peace of God. And I went, this thing's real. 
I've been in situations in my life where there's a mess, where there's turmoil. And said, God, would you bring your peace? And he brings it. The Holy Spirit will bring his peace. Here's my prayer for you. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. It was Paul's prayer. I pray it for you today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would bring to you. Might not be everybody, but I'm sure it's somebody watching this, listening to this, sitting here right now. What you came in here today needing, maybe not even believing you could experience, was peace. And I know the Holy Spirit can bring it. Here's a, here's a dad lesson for Father's Day. When one of our kids was real little, two, three years old, they would wake up fairly consistently about two in the morning with night terrors. Ever heard of this? They would just start screaming out of nowhere. We eventually kind of figured out what would trigger that, what would cause it, but for a while we were just puzzled. And there's nothing like your child waking up at two in the morning and just screaming especially when their bed was right next to the window. And the window was right outside of the, there was a narrow driveway and in the house next door lived a police officer. You love screaming at two in the morning when your neighbor, the police officer, wants to know what's going on. Screaming. I remember going in there and just, hey, it's okay, honey, hey, it's okay. Trying to get them to calm down. Hey, you're gonna be all right. And the more I would say it's going to be okay, the more they would scream. <laughs> like my words meant nothing to them. And then I'm, I'm desperate, like I don't know what's going on. And so then I decided I'd get stern, you know, nothing you have to call the authorities over, but I'd be like, stop it, you just stop it. You know, didn't help. <laughs> Genius dad, didn't help. You know what we found helped? Not words, not logic, not all our efforts. Sometimes we just needed to hold them. Sometimes it was as simple as just sitting down on the bed, putting a hand on their head, because it wasn't the words we had to say, it wasn't the logic we had to bring. It was just our presence that brought peace. And Paul says, you know what my prayer is for you, church in Rome? You know what my prayer is for you and mommy and Toledo, and Northwest Ohio on this Sunday and Father's Day? That the God of hope, by his Holy Spirit, would bring you peace. So can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment in this room, watching this, listening to this somewhere. And for some of you, the thing that you came in here needing today, desperately, whether you realized it or not, was for the Holy Spirit to bring you some peace. And in just a moment, we're going to have the worship team come back and they're going to lead us in a song that's going to be our prayer to end. The opening words of this song are about peace. But before we sing a note, before we take another step, there are some of you that, that need to just choose to slow down enough in this moment and say, Holy Spirit, would you change my perspective? Would you fill my heart with quietness and confidence? For some of you, maybe for the first time ever, or maybe for the first time in a long time, 
It's a moment for you to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I can't do this on my own. Would you bring me peace? Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about a choice you need to make, not in this room, but out of this room, in a relationship, in a job, home, work, family, uh, neighborhood setting. We just need to say, God, help me to choose peace. But more than anything, I wanna pray with the one who right now would say, Holy Spirit, I just need your presence next to me. I just need you to come alongside of me. I just need to feel your spiritual embrace. God, I need to know that your hand is on my head. And then in this moment, just your presence is bringing me peace. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. And we know that you're a spirit of peace. So for the heart that's discouraged, for the heart that's uncertain, for the heart that's filled with fear, uncertainty, anxiety, would you do what only you can do in this moment? Would you do, Holy Spirit, what only you can make happen? Would you, by your power, let us sense your presence? And would you bring us peace? In Jesus' name, amen. Storm surrounding me, let it break. Let your name still call the sea to still. The rage in me to still everywhere. Let your name, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Silence, fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Won't you join us, church? Sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence, fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever in 
You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence fear, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Whatever the reason, who'd say, God, I need your peace. Holy Spirit, would you bring me peace? Go ahead and just lift a hand if that's you. Anybody? Yeah, it's me. It's a lot of us. Father, thank you that your word reminds us that you're a God of peace. Father, this week, may we see the effects of quietness and confidence in our hearts. May we see the perspective of the one who sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Lord, I pray for the one who needs forgiveness today from you, that they wouldn't rationalize it away, that they wouldn't shut it down, but that right now in this moment, to ask for that access to God, Jesus, through what you've done for us. Lord, for the one who knows that you're speaking to them about choosing peace in a certain situation, Father, would you give them the courage and the, the resolve to not leave that decision in this room, but as they step out to make choices, take steps that lead to peace. And Lord, for the one who just needs your presence, when they get in their car or when Tuesday hits, when that situation kind of flares back up or the enemy tries to tell them that it's not real, Holy Spirit, would you flood their hearts with peace? Jesus, would you be the Prince of Peace? Father, as we go from here, we rejoice knowing that you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.